Today we will be closing our series called The Art of Being Basic, where we have discussed different community practices that we value here at FOS. Today we will be talking about forgiveness as an essential practice for Christian community. Now, when I think of the word forgiveness, it does seem like one of the most familiar or basic concepts in regards to the Christian story. Since I was a child in church, whenever I was told about the story of Jesus, it was always centered around how he came to make it possible for us to be forgiven by God. As a result, I should live in a way where I realize that I am a forgiven person and should be continuously forgiving those around me. I grew up learning that salvation rested on the idea of forgiveness, yet somehow it still always felt abstract to me, and it felt more so a part of the story rather than something I actually experienced or understood in a real-life way. This is especially true because the metaphor that was always used for forgiveness was the idea of debt being erased. I can never connect to the idea of forgiving a large debt to a situation of forgiving someone who had caused me deep emotional pain. They seem like two completely different processes to me. One was forgiveness from a perfect God, and the other was forgiveness between imperfect and broken people. It seemed like in the latter, communities found it easier to break apart rather than to find a path to forgiveness. In one of my courses in seminary, we further discuss the hard complexity of forgiveness by looking at the story of the Charleston Nine in Charleston, South Carolina. On June 17, 2015, Nine members of Emmanuel AME Church were tragically shot during an evening Bible study inside of the church by a young white supremacist. Their names were Clementa Pickney, Cynthia Marie Graham Hurd, Susie Jackson, Ethel Lee Lance, DePayne Middleton Doctor, Tawanza Sanders, Daniel Simmons, Sharona Coleman Singleton, and Myra Thompson. This is obviously a tragic and painful story where members of this congregation were murdered in such a violent and hateful way. This mass murder was inexcusable and no one would expect this community to even be thinking about forgiveness in the wake of such violent injustice, if at all. However, some surviving family and church members surprised the world by offering words of forgiveness to the shooter within courtrooms and in their memorial gatherings within 36 hours of the killings. In the midst of the pain, they were able to offer moments of forgiveness and grace as the eyes of the nation were on them in that moment. However, this was not the same situation for other members of the congregation. Some were shocked and upset that forgiveness had been offered so quickly, almost immediately. They barely had time to understand the depth of the grief that had just hit them. The shock had not yet worn off. 
Even family members of those who died were split on the issue of forgiveness and had different opinions of how to respond in that moment. Many were not ready to forgive, or they thought it was too soon, especially with the ache of injustice and grief so fresh and raw. How would you respond in this situation? As Christians, how do we consider forgiveness when it comes to injustices surrounding racism and violence? What truly is the nature of forgiveness? How are we called as Christians to respond in moments as devastating as what happened to the Charleston Nine, or in each of the personal situations we have that have hurt us in different ways? In the tragedy of the Charleston Nine, injury was caused by a party outside of the community. What happens when we are hurt by members inside of our community? How do we hold our communities together and exemplify healing without denying the painful reality of grief and anger towards injustice and mistreatment? How do we work towards transformation of our relationships and communities through forgiveness without losing accountability? Let's take a minute to look at scripture and how Christ might think about some of these questions. In Matthew 18, we have a classic passage that is used to show Jesus' thoughts on forgiveness. Verse 21 through 22 states, Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. In Hebrew culture, the number seven is a sign of completeness. So many interpret this as Jesus instructing us to continually be forgivers and a people of second chances. After this, Jesus tells a parable of the unforgiving servant. In this parable, a slave is forgiven his enormous debts by the king, only to turn around and punish a fellow slave who owed him nearly much. Stop. After this, Jesus tells us a parable that we call the parable of an unforgiving servant. In this parable, a slave is forgiven his enormous debts by the king, only to turn around and punish a fellow slave who owed him much less money by having him arrested and put in jail. The king then gets angry at the slave he had forgiven and responds with much harsher consequences than he would have in the first place. At the end of this parable, Jesus states in verse 35 that just like the king, so my heavenly father will also do this to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. This passage in Matthew has been used a lot to teach Christians that you have a duty to forgive others if you have been forgiven greatly. I agree with this. However, I think that this passage has also been used at times to encourage us to forgive as quickly as possible in order to not be seen as ungrateful for the forgiveness that we have received and to avoid becoming like the king's slave.
unfortunately, this can result in a lot of pressure to immediately forgive the people who have hurt you. It fuels this assumption that if you are a better Christian, you forgive quicker. Stop. Start. It fuels this assumption that if you are a better Christian, you forgive quicker. There is a lot of danger in this way of thinking. This mentality can create a sense of apathy and denial towards the things that should make us furious, such as injustice and oppression. It makes us think that all anger and resentment is wrong and should be avoided. We should always resent evil. But if we push each other to value quick, microwaved forgiveness before anyone is held accountable and transformation has occurred, we create space for injustice to continue. David Augsburger, a professor of pastoral care at my seminary, who has written multiple books on the subject of forgiveness, thinks that forgiveness can be given prematurely. Premature forgiveness can happen when we forgive too quickly in order to make pain go away or because we are too tired of thinking about the pain and we just want our minds to be free. In these cases, premature forgiveness is often given without any recognition or apology from the person who has done wrong. Now, some people might disagree with this, but Augsburger thinks that in the absence of repentance, forgiveness can easily just be another way to avoid what is real. In this case, forgiveness is not authentic, but just pious denial. Augsburger thinks that forgiveness without repentance is not meaningful. Now, this does not mean that some people can't find forgiveness more quickly than others, but forgiveness without truth, justice, and appropriate process can just be a way of avoiding the truth, which is often painful. Augsburger calls forgiveness without these things for grieving instead of forgiveness. It becomes an internal release of anger and resentment instead of restoration of relationship. For grieving is what happens when the party that hurt us is no longer accessible to us, or we never want them to be. We cannot experience the process of forgiveness without both parties wanting to come to the table together. We cannot experience God's forgiveness if we want nothing to do with the reality of God. In the same way, forgiveness in our communities requires both to want the reality of justice and transformation in our relationships. I think a problem that we sometimes have with forgiveness is that it often becomes separated from the process of repentance and healing. When the process of forgiveness is separated from repentance and healing, forgiveness becomes nothing, um, sorry, forgiveness becomes something that we do individually without the person who hurt us at all. I would also say that that is not real forgiveness. 
The goal of forgiveness is not to make the person who caused hurt or the hurt itself to go away. But the goal is to create or regain a piece of relationship back at whatever level is appropriate for the situation. It is a two-sided experience and a relational communal process. Forgiveness drives us towards community instead of isolated independence. Now, this does not mean that it is always appropriate to restore a relationship. Even in scripture, we see the reality of consequences existing beyond the moment or process of forgiveness. Community is not possible without protection, boundaries, and safety, even within family. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Now, we often say forgive and forget, but true forgiveness is the opposite of denial and wanting to forget that it never happened. Real forgiveness does not include dismissing wrongs in order to avoid conflict, pain, or inconvenience. True forgiveness includes both sides admitting in honesty um, what has occurred. Forgiveness is about restoring community and relationships. It does not mean that things go back to normal. To pretend that nothing has changed would be a denial. A new reality and relationship will always be forged in the wake of forgiveness. That process is usually messy and takes time. But it is the process that Jesus has called us to pursue in the same way that he has pursued it with us. Forgiveness is a beautifully messy journey in which we pursue truth and love and justice and restoration. But on the other side of the pain and the mess is the potential of hope, healing, and transformation. That is the way that the church shines. In Matthew 18.35, Jesus says that we should forgive your brother or sister from your heart. To me, this means that true forgiveness leads us to some form of healing or transformation, and that is what we are called to. And we should not give up on the desire to appropriately restore our relationships and communities. From the heart does not always mean that we will forgive instantly. Just like the stages of grief or the steps to recovery, authentic forgiveness will be a hard emotional process. But if we can commit ourselves to the process of forgiving, we can open ourselves to the potential for healing, transformation, and life for our communities. Thank you.